Zone World, episode 23. My guest this week is Schwartz. It was a real tight little conversation we had, and he's got a lot of cool shit going on, so definitely enjoy yourself listening to this interview. I want to say real quick a reminder that my new album is coming out January 31st. And the first thing that's going down is this record release show at Wind Up Space with Bookhouse and Gavin Riley Smoke Machine plus special guests to be announced. So do make it out if you're in the area. Uh, as always, we're sponsored by the Lineup Room where we record this. Check out lineuproom.com get the deal on this recording and mixing studio located in Baltimore, Maryland. The art, as always, is by Mike Riley Comics. Check him out at MikeRileyComics.com. Oh yeah, one quick note. We refer to Max about 10 times in this interview, and we're talking about his cousin and also... The tight noise slash rap slash beat maker known as DJ Dog Dick. So that's who that is. Let's do it. Um, I grew up in St. Louis. I grew up like uh, in U City, which is like the same place that like Nelly grew up pretty much and then moved. Mm. It's like another spot where I went to high school with like a bunch of rich Jewish kids. Yeah, they're both like inner ring like suburbs of St. Louis because in St. Louis people don't really live in the city. Yeah. So they're like the like what's basically the city, but it's like the first like intersection of <laughs> the suburbs because they oh, fall yeah, really yeah, far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So U City was like the more hood zone, I assume. Kind of. It wasn't really like hood. There was like a. a I guess it kind of was. Or, like, working class zone, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. definitely a black neighborhood. I was, like, the only white kid in my class. Mm. Is Max your cousin? Yeah. Did he grow up out there also? Yeah, he went to the same high school that I went to. Okay. Were you guys, like, close? Yeah, we were, we were close. Um, I think our family used to do more, like, larger functions where we'd be around each other when we were really little because... We're actually like second cousins once removed or something. His his oh, okay. uh, dad is my mom's cousin. Yeah, but then he got my CD from my brother that I had made when I was like in eighth grade or something, and we started chilling after that because he was just getting into like avant garde music, and I had made I was like dislocated and made this like insane CD. What was this? <laughs> what was the CD? Um, it was called Vanilla Bean. I made it on sound recorder on like a. Windows like ninety eight or XP or something. Whoa. Whatever. That's crazy. <laughs> was it it was like experimental stuff? Yeah. Cool. Vanilla bean. 
<laughs> I gotta hear this shit now. I have some. I'm not sure I have all of it still. Yeah. Cause yeah, when I was in like eighth grade or something, I was already like into free jazz and all this stuff. Like the cycles yeah. I went through of like music was like <laughs> not <laughs> not normal. There was this guy that worked at the library, um, the U City Library, where I had checked out a Captain Beefheart CD. Yeah. And then he was like, you should read this like book on John Cage and like all this shit. And I was like 15 or something, you know, mm. like 14 or something and like reading books about John Cage. So what did the John Cage stuff like do to you? I don't know. I was, I was like super, super into it. I was just like really yeah. into, I think there's like a thing when you're a teenager, you're like super into like kind of like absurdist yeah. art stuff for a lot of people. Maybe not like it's definitely not for everybody but I think people kind of think that like kind of like you know even at a basic level like teenagers will think like absurdist humor or something is really funny or something but like yeah yeah Captain Beefheart was just like so tight oh yeah 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 <laughs> like whatever I was just like trying to get into the weirdest stuff for like the sake of it being like weird or crazy or whatever yeah like really really harsh free jazz records and stuff I wasn't got into like the boredoms mm. was that something that was around in St. Louis like, did you see, like, local people doing that stuff? I didn't, not until I met Max. Okay. And he was just starting to get into a scene with, like, some, like, free jazz, like, noise kind of people. Wow. When we started hanging out. But I had never actually, like, gone to, an, a, like, a live music experimental event or something until he took me. How did he get plugged into it? I don't know. He was into, like, uh... I don't know, like straight edge vegan kind of hardcore punk stuff or something, and then somehow yeah. made a leap from that to like noise rock, which I guess isn't that far of a leap or something. But that I think was his progression at the time. But so, what what did you guys do? Like, like what kind of like acts did you form as you you know as you started playing out in St. Louis? Um, I don't think I did a performance until I was like. 17 maybe yeah and i think i was doing rap stuff at that point oh okay. i think the first okay. like for real show that i probably played was a basement show in illinois okay and what I was were like you? uh with johnny corndog oh max, yeah, yeah, yeah max hooked me up with that show a rap show with johnny corndog yeah in a basement cool. well i was the only like rap group i think i brought my friend with me and we did some stuff and cool how did it go <laughs> I think it was cool. Tight. Like, like what kind of <laughs> rap was going down at the time? That probably had a lot of a lot of different influence, but it was it was probably like some some Eminem influence. Even though I wasn't really into that that much, that kind of like dominated that kind of yeah yeah sound then or Nelly or like you know the, just that era of mainstream rap kind of that's all i was trying to go for probably but it was probably ended up being weirder because it was just like off you know mm. yeah yeah i mean you can imagine like a <laughs> a 17 year old schwartz like trying to do like some mainstream rap in a basement opening up for johnny corndog i think i can imagine it. <laughs> i like it like where did the rap shit go from there like like we were saying earlier, like you were in a group and stuff like that. Well, through my friend Kenny, I met his friend Terrence. And Terrence had met these three people at um, 
Sonics when they all worked there together. Yeah. And that was like the group was all these dudes that worked at Sonics together. Oh, crazy. They were all like really talented. Yeah. What was it called? It was called AOSTL. It was all over St. Louis. Tight. Is what the acronym is. Because it was, basically, yeah, it was like a dude from the south side and a dude from like the west side or whatever, you know. Oh, cool. cool. Some, some unity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Would you say that was like the same, like influenced by this mainstream? That was. Steve's. Yeah, pretty much mainstream rap, but maybe like a, like a little bit more gangster and like a little bit, you know, that was like three years later or something, four years later. Yeah. So like, I don't know. They're probably listening to Gucci Mane. Yeah, yeah. Like early Gucci Mane, like Pills. I remember listening to that song a lot mm. around then. I I actually have a memory of one like time. Snap music stuff, I guess. Maybe that was just like yeah. on its way out, though, almost already then. But I have this memory of playing in St. Louis at Limp Art Center one time. And it was these like real young dudes got on the mic. I remember being like, this is an interesting style. And then it was like, and this is 2005. And like, I feel like what, what like mainstream rap sounded like two years later was like what they were doing. Well, like, yeah, Southern rap kind of just took over then, you know, that's like probably people were doing that style for like a while in like St. Louis and Atlanta and stuff. And then it took a while for the mainstream to come to, for that to be like the sound or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, St. Louis, St. Louis, Atlanta or whatever is like, I mean, definitely now a lot more so Atlanta, but then you have to remember like a lot of St. Louis rappers were popping. So it was like Jaquan and Huey. And um, Chingy, like Nelly, all the St. Lunatics. I forgot all those dudes besides <laughs> <laughs> Nelly were from St. Louis. Yeah. There were some other groups that we, like AOSTL, like, there were some more underground, like, local St. Louis groups that I remember listening to, too, that we're really into. It was this group, Red Paint. Mm. It was, like, this all-female group from North St. Louis, and they were, like, incredible. Oh, wow. What were they, like? Just like super crunk, like nasty, like tear the club up, like kind of like similar to Crime Mob, but like a little bit more like raw. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Crime Mob was definitely a thing that I was listening to. Oh, yeah. yeah. For me, like I always loved 3 6 Mafia and yeah. Me too. I feel like I think it's almost bizarre how much now all rap is like. Three Six Mafia influenced or something. Yeah. Like whether they know it or not, you know? Yeah, it's definitely really real. But I listen to the like Unbreakables like every day in my senior year of high school. That's their best album, <laughs> I think. It's, yeah, that's my favorite just because like I just listen to that like every day, you know? Yeah. I remember you saying things kind of like went to shit with this group due to like the streets, essentially. Yeah. Well, Terrence, who was, like, definitely, like, the, like, the core of, like, the crew, the one that, like, motivated everybody and kept everything together and everything, yeah. he got, he got, like, snitched on, and he sold drugs, and he did, like, we only did one live show, and he had to do it, like, with the ankle bracelet on, he was supposed to be, like, home, and he was being <laughs> monitored, and he left the house anyway to go do this show. That's what's up. It was, like, pretty much, like, a sold-out show, and yeah, 
it went really, really well. That was like kind of like the saddest thing. It was like, wow, this could like really go somewhere. Like mm. I really believe it could have, but it was just like the timing and circumstance and everything was wrong, you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he ended up doing like three and a half years or mm. about, he got a five-year sentence and he did, I think, about three and a half. Yeah. In like a state prison. And wh- like where did that leave you as far as what you were going to do? I moved to Baltimore in the time when he was in prison. Oh, okay. Like, how how did you decide to move here? Because of Max. Cool, cool. Yeah, basically everything in St. Louis was not going well. Mm. Max had just been like, yo, you should move to Baltimore. Like, it's really cool here. There's this, like, awesome, like, art scene. Like, I think you need to, like, really, like, come see something different or whatever and, like... I'd be more resistant to be taken out of my comfort zone, but like things were like all all bad for me. Like <laughs> I had at least like I think like if I had even like these shitty restaurant jobs that I had, I probably yeah. wouldn't have just like up and left, but I broke my ankle. Oh and yeah. so I couldn't work. And I was just like, yeah, I didn't to like get out of here. Yeah. I was still at my mom's house and guess it's kind of like blessing in disguise or something. Yeah. Like getting out of St. Louis at that time was like the best thing I could have done, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like what was it like for you coming here? It was really eye-opening. It was cool to be like around a lot of people that like were into stuff that I was into or whatever. In St. Louis, it's, it's like, like there's a really small like noise scene or whatever. Yeah. I never felt like accepted by them at all because... I don't know. I guess I was I was younger than a lot of them, and I would come with like my like fucked up friends that would like steal <laughs> people's houses oh, and yeah, shit. Yeah, so yeah. like I don't think they really like fucked with me. <laughs> yeah, you weren't like a part of the <laughs> community. <laughs> really. Yeah, so it was good to like come to Baltimore and like yeah. Baltimore has like an incredible like music and art scene that I'm like so appreciative for. Totally. Like, what was your, like, coming here, what was, what, like, facet of it, what, did you get into the, like, Tarantula Hill kind of side of things, or, like, like, what, what that's kind definitely, of... That was definitely a part of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, Nautical Almanac is the reason that Max basically moved to Baltimore. It's funny, because he was actually, like, born in that neighborhood, but he would have never... <laughs> ever gone back there if it wasn't for them like randomly moving to that neighborhood oh right 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 i remember him saying <laughs> that one time and that's I, you know i i don't know much about that i i think i've only been there once or twice like like that's like that's more like almost like exclusively like noise stuff going down right well at, at like the bank or transfer yeah. hill yeah, mostly. There's been some other things. I mean, they've had some pretty, like, wild parties. It's like, yeah. where there's, like, DJs and stuff. And, like, it's definitely they're interested in, like, yeah, like, experimental noise music kind of stuff. But, wh- like, when do you start developing, like, what you're doing now? As in this, like... Yeah, I started doing that, I guess, thing. like, at, uh... Well, doing, like, Schwartz... I was already producing under the name Schwartz in St. Louis, like, yeah. with AOSTL and shit, but I guess, like, I did, like, live sets of, like, rap stuff when I first moved to Baltimore. Oh, cool. What? 
Like, where did you play mostly? I played at the bank. Yeah. I played at, like, Wordscape in, like, 2009. And, uh... Yeah, you know, I, I did, like, this Comfort Dome basement a couple yeah. times, I think. <laughs> like, around that time, like... Yeah. Within the first year of, like, moving to Baltimore. Oh, I wish the I would The first show I ever did, I think, was at the Zodiac. Oh, really? Cool. Like, was Baltimore Club always an influence or ha like how did that become part of what you do i had discovered baltimore club i guess still in in st louis like a little bit because it was kind of like hype then really like, like 2006 yeah. or 2007 like baltimore club kind of i think that was yeah my my timeline for a lot of things i'm talking about Me might too, be wrong yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> i think that's when like baltimore club stuff was kind of popping on a more national way and i was already on music blogs and stuff so I knew about that. I think, like, right when I moved here was kind of, like, the end of that era of kind of, mm. like, where Baltimore Club stuff was hyper, like, more visible to people. Say, like, what elements of it, like, made it out to, like, St. Louis? Like, K-Swift or, or, like, I think Spank Rock? Or I think it was, like, MIA that was, like, the biggest thing that connected, like, people to Baltimore Club oh, or okay. something. And maybe yeah, I had yeah. heard some Scotty B remix even already yeah. or something, but it was probably connected to all that, like... Diplo, MIA kind of nexus yeah. and stuff. And yeah, and I guess it kind of fell off as far as its national presence. Well, like, right, right when I moved to Baltimore was, like, right around the same time that K-Swift died, and mm. I think that did really, really hurt hurt the scene. Mm. Things kind of, like, fell apart so a little too. bit, and kind of some momentum that was going kind of halted. Yeah. She's, like, the queen of Baltimore Club, and then yeah. she died. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of a lot of the older DJs don't really DJ Baltimore yeah. Club or do it very often. Like somebody like Scotty B or something is like DJing. He DJs like nights where he DJs like mainstream rap stuff. Like at these clubs that have like bottle service, like these like black like rap clubs where they have bottle service, yeah. and he just like kind of plays like radio rap shit or whatever. Like what? But club? then if somebody yeah. like. Colin or something books Scotty for something, that's when he'll like play like the club shit or whatever. Oh, but wow. I mean, you can go. To the docks, like the paradox yeah. still does, like Baltimore Club, like mostly like Friday nights. Yeah. Okay. And you think it's still, still popping, kind of like, like. I think so. I've been meaning yeah. to go to the to the paradox on a Friday night. I've gone a lot, like uh, for either the gay night or the house night. Yeah, yeah. But I know they play like. It's like pretty similar. I know. Except that, like, when I've gone on the gay nights, they play, like, ballroom Vogue stuff in the chamber room, and on the oh, okay. on Fridays, they do, like, club. Oh, okay. Cool. And in the main room, then they do, like, radio rap, kind of, like, whatever stuff. Where did you get the idea of, like, having, like, like, we were talking earlier about the Schwartz voice, <laughs> but, like, wh like, where did you get this idea of, like, these breaks with this, like, wild yelling on top? I don't know. I was already doing, like, some yelling. I guess it wasn't really, like... I guess with the club stuff, it's just, like... I don't know. Fat Man Scoop is definitely a big influence on, <laughs> on doing that. But also, it was mostly just, like... That voice really came out of just, like, DJing. And when what you yell, like... What felt natural to me to, like, yell while I was DJing. And then thinking about, like, okay, I want to do vocals for these tracks. And that's, like, okay, what do I, like, yell at people when I'm DJing? <laughs> <laughs> like how am I yelling at these people 
Yeah, sometimes I tone it back a little bit if I think it's not going to be appropriate. But more and more recently, I've realized I just need to like go all the way for it because it's like this is my artistry. This is what I'm doing. I just yeah. need to go like full force. There's no holding back. But before there were certain times where I would tone it down, I'd be like, okay, I'm not going to use the mic tonight, like for this DJ set or whatever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but also, that's just that's just natural to me. I just like kind of. I've always been into like super like Lil Jon is a big influence too. I've just always been mm. into like really crunk like extreme kind yeah, of music. Yeah, yeah. To me, that's not a, a lot of stuff that's like kind of like boring or not engaging to me. It was like yeah. just like shit that's all the way turned. <laughs> yeah, totally. It it always kind of reminds me of when you listen to ninety two Q, and they have the live broadcast from like Choices or something. Yeah, because it's always like. Why is the guy's voice so loud? <laughs> you know? Yeah, pork chop. Yeah, yeah. Pork chop is incredible. Like, what, one thing I wanted to ask you about is, um, like the deep in the game era, which is something I I never made it out to, unfortunately. But I was I was just always kind of wondered what it was about. Well, that was that was the night that me and uh, Ryan Kidwell sex and uh, Mark Brown had. Yeah. And we started that. I guess me and Mark were kind of doing like a Gabber night at the Zodiac. What's Gabber? Gabber is like European, like hardcore, like kind of like techno stuff that's like super, super, super fast. It's all kind of inaccessible and it's all like really dark oh, and kind of yeah, Halloweeny. Yeah, it's like yeah, 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 yeah. I think we had Ryan DJ one of those, and it was, it was fun. And so he just like kind of got put into the fold. And then also we were just like, well, what if we like played stuff that was like funner? <laughs> then we just kind of started playing like whatever music instead of just like limiting it to like this really fast, really dark, scary shit. Yeah. Like more accessible stuff, and that included like a lot of club stuff. And yeah. then um, yeah, worked with the. Uh, I worked a restaurant job in Fells Point, and the bartender booked stuff at the Hippo, and he came to see it when I was at the Zodiac, and then we moved it there. What was it like running a, a night like that? It was it was awesome. I think we did, like, really good stuff. I think it was, like, kind of, like, important what we did because we would book a lot of stuff that wouldn't otherwise be happening in Baltimore and expose different people to different scenes or whatever, you know, like kind of yeah. like mix it up. Like it's not just like whatever, you know? Yeah. You had like a ton of people come down from right. Like New York and stuff like that. Yeah. We had people from San Francisco, Alabama, Japan. <laughs> and Like why did it end? It was just like gotta be frustrating working with the, hippo after like a really long time it was mm. just like the management there was like changing and um it seemed like it had like the excitement about it had been dwindling a little bit decided to cut it while it was still like more on top than have it like i feel like tax low got dragged out for like a really long time yeah sometimes running a dance party for like three years is like a pretty crazy thing dance yeah. parties are always like so trendy and so kind of, like, of the moment or something. And, yeah. like, you know, it's, like, you know, I mean, how much do the same people even, like, go out, like, clubbing for, like... Every day. Sometimes people's right. whole clubbing career might only be, like, a year or two. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. doing a dance party for three years was kind of like a pretty long time. You know, do you know Secret Weapon Dave? Um, like I don't know who that is. I don't really yeah. know him personally. We we've talked about that because we've always talked about having some kind of DJ night, and he and he's still trying to figure out some way to do it. But it's like he he expressed to me his apprehension is like having to be like this Friday it's going down, and then like next week this Friday it's going down. like you like you have to like constantly yeah. be like telling people this one thing is like the thing or something. Yeah. Yeah, promoting dance parties is really funny. <laughs> they have like all these different. It's really regional specific the way people promote dance parties. We try to not be corny with that and not like, you know, try to do it classy. But it's a tricky. It's a tricky game. Yeah, yeah. New totally. York, like, yeah. There's all these like New York does this thing where they have like ten hosts on every dance party that happens there. Like okay, any party yeah. in New York, it has like ten hosts, and the hosts are just like you know people that are like cool and like the the scene or whatever, and they get like free <laughs> drinks or like get on the guest list or whatever, and then they like their names are really big on the flyer. Do they get on the mic or they're just like, no? That's crazy. That's so like, like the party game in New York is all about like yeah, like get these hosts to send out Facebook invites and all that stuff. Yeah. In LA, every party is like at a secret location. And you have to <laughs> you have to RSVB to an email to get the address, and there's all this like hype about it, like uh, like everything kind of being exclusive or VIP or something. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> well, what is it like? What do you, how do you feel you have to do it in Baltimore if there is a way? I just always thought it worked like because I was generally excited about the party, so then yeah. I could like. Be genuinely excited, like two people about the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. think they were good and they were different. So, like, just because it existed and it was fun, like, it was successful. Oh, yeah, yeah. At what point did you get down with um, Thunder Zone and, and all that? The juice box I met, I think, when. When Max was trying to convince me to like move to to Baltimore, it was like because I had visited here, maybe once or maybe twice. I don't remember before I moved here. It might have just been. I think it was one of the times that it was even before I lived here and I was visiting, and Juicebox was visiting Max at the same time. Yeah. But even before that, I think Max was just like, "Yeah, you got to meet this, meet like Juicebox. He's like the same age as you. He's super young. He's like doing this, like yeah." <laughs> It seems pretty crazy. It's like they got the they got like G side on there and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that was the first release was the G side seven inch. Oh wow. Like like who else is on it? It was on that label. He did the G side release, he's done um I mean a lot of it isn't even music releases. It's not even kind of like really like a label or something. It's more yeah. like a all encompassing like brand or something, but like I'm, I'm wearing this DJ George Costanza bracelet. Yes. <laughs> uh, he put out like an Extreme Animals like VHS tape. He's done like a like the Little Ugly Man shirts and like the Little Ugly Man Windbreaker and like those three singles that I did and the sample pack that we just put out. Yeah. Like when did you start putting those out? Like the singles. I guess I did 
Your Beautiful Lake in, in 2013. Oh, okay. And Juicebox, yeah, was like a huge influence and, and motivator to for that. Yeah, Like, yeah. I think, like, even doing, like, my own original songs, a lot of it was, like, from him being, like, yeah, you just gotta, like, do this or something. Like, I think at that time I'd kind of given up on on doing my own original songs with, like, vocals as much. It was more just, like, I'll just, like, do remixes and instrumentals and stuff. But Juicebox believed in, in Schwartz as, like, a as like a personality and, like, yeah. a, a solo artist or whatever. That's really awesome, man. Yeah. We were talking about touring earlier. Is that when you first started, like, hitting the road? I've, I've toured. I toured early on, like, without Juicebox, but some of the good, like, early tour experience was with him. Yeah. What was your first tour? I don't know. I don't know like how much counts as a as a tour. I'm gonna I th- say I think I, I did a thing with like Mark and Dazzle Storm and Ami. That maybe was like four shows or something. That might have been. Wow, that's a crazy lineup. <laughs> I like Dazzle Storm a lot. Yeah. Well, we did like a Baltimore thing. I know we did Pittsburgh. And I think maybe we did. We did New York. Maybe we did Providence. Don't I have like the worst memory? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's not too. I, but I actually remember the Pittsburgh show kind of the the most, but it was like definitely the worst. <laughs> Where did you play? We played at like some sports bar, and it was super awkward, and we had to wait for a Steelers game to be over. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's like the thing that I remember. I'm sure that was like a lot of really cool stuff. <laughs> it's like that's the thing I remember. I th- did you, and then you went on a long tour with Juicebox at some point, right? Um, yeah, I did one kind of shorter tour with him where I was like DJing for him. Cool. And then I did a tour where I was like playing separately and it was with Extreme Animals too. Yeah. And that was like more recently. That was like November... 2013 that build do you feel like it has like a draw kind of like in the places you were playing in some other places we we brought a lot of people and some yeah. of them we didn't yeah I guess that's how it goes <laughs> there's definitely nights where I mean I don't uh, there wasn't any like super big shows on that tour but there's definitely shows where there was like hundreds of people yeah but like we played a show in uh New Haven, where there was like three people, you know, like yeah. two people that set up the show and the opening act, and the opening act left after they played, you know, whatever. Classic. And then like a couple friends came like a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> well, when did that tour go down with Abdul Ali? Um, that was in October. Okay. What was that tour like? That was cool. That was me and Abdul and uh, Kilborn. Who's Kilborn? She's a Jersey Club oh, DJ, wow. or she's like she kind of does more a Philly club style, but is from like Jersey. What? What? By the way, is the difference between <laughs> Philly and New Jersey and Baltimore club? Um, they just kind of have morphed separately from each other. I don't know. Like, I guess Tamil was like DJ Tamil is like a Jersey club DJ. And he was really instrumental in like bringing just like straight up like bringing Baltimore club records to Jersey and playing them. And I guess people yeah. just picked up more on certain records and people there started producing. And But Jersey club is like kind of sexier. 
It's kind of like more mm. accessible. Yeah. It's like more like R&B remixes and they'll be like halftime, like kind of like trap, like breakdowns or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of more like easier to DJ some Jersey Club, like sneak some Jersey Club stuff into like a rap DJ set or something, you know? It's the same it's the same thing pretty much, but like it's like more like water drops, R and B chords, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. bed squeak samples. And like a little bit more like maybe like rap breakdowns. Yeah. And where does it happen? Like what part of New Jersey? Uh I think that's like Newark. Okay. And and then Philly Philly Club is like faster and like crazier, like kind of there's a lot of like sirens, like always like a ton of <laughs> sirens going off. Like, if there's one sound that you had to pick for, like, each city, it would be, like, Baltimore's... Well, Baltimore would be, like, the what or the gunshot. Yeah. Philly would be, like... They would do, like, a lot of horn sounds and a lot of, like, sirens. And Jersey Club is, like, like the bed squeak and... Oh, okay. Like, did you play, like, dance nights or just more just, like... It was everything. We did everything. Yeah. I consciously wanted to be that way, kind of, because it makes touring easier. But also, yeah, it just, like, totally. allows you to feel... It's also just, like, how do you even do, like, a DIY, like, dance music tour? Like, you have to, like, play a couple basements or something. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? totally. So we play, like, really big, like, gay clubs, like, kind of, like, punk basements. Yeah. Like, warehouses, like, bars. We played at, like, a queer commune in the woods in Tennessee. We played, like, a giant, like, warehouse party in New Orleans, and, like, yeah, it was, like, warehouse party, bar, basement, like, kept switching back and forth, you know, we played yeah, a yeah. couple colleges. How how did you start working with Abdul Ali and, like, like that Already album and everything? Well, I mean, Abdul go way back to before he ever made music. I think he saw me DJing was like really into it and he okay. like interviewed he used to run a blog called uh Eat on This and he wrote okay. about like fashion and like culture and stuff and he interviewed me for that after seeing me DJ a couple times. And that's cool. like the first time we met. Yeah. I think that album is so awesome, man. Like was that kind of like a long-term process of grinding together? That record? I mean, I feel yeah. like we made that record kind of like easily or something kind of like okay let's just do some like let's just do some like club shit and like let it go or something you know yeah what I mean? yeah yeah so it wasn't like it wasn't a product of like grinding like too too hard but it was like already years of our like chemistry like working together and shit yeah so. oh another thing i wanted to ask you about is these um mashup releases i guess like the stuff the the stuff that you did with kyle mapson and stuff like if you could say what is the um what was like the idea behind those um well i think there's something that, that like me and kyle had both kind of already for a long time been doing that kind of thing with our our aesthetic like yeah. it's interesting when kyle dj's it's like mid-2000s rap song like back to back with like a 90s rock song almost like like i've seen him do dj sets where it's like literally that back and forth yeah. like the whole time and that's kind of like what was going on there. Was it, was it? <laughs> in, in a certain way, it's even more. It's a more specific yeah. kind of thing. But 
there's there are levels to that. It was never like a deep, like overly intellectualized like thing. Obviously, like how goofy it is or whatever, right, but right. like <laughs> <laughs> there are like it is like parodying like how stupid trap stuff can be, kind of or like, but also the feeling of nostalgia I guess you get for for just like hearing '90s songs like you grew up with. But right, I mean, just functionally, that stuff works really well at a dance party too. You know, see, that's hard for me to imagine, but I, <laughs> <laughs> like the come with like jumper at like the club or something but no people go crazy for that really yeah i think it makes perfect sense especially like wasted people (laughs) it's really like all right almost almost everybody is gonna like know the song it's gonna like throw them off a little bit but when it like is really like kicking with like 808s and shit it's like kind of heavy and it kind of can make it fit in with the rest of your dj set or whatever yeah i was thinking about like when like music people make like mixtapes for each other there's so many like eras of music that are like faux pas like a lot of 90s shit and a lot of like 2000s like rock shit and stuff it's just like it's like nah that that didn't exist or something yeah. like i feel like kyle is like so into that like like being yeah. like, I mean, Kyle's perspective on this might be totally different. Right, <laughs> whatever right, I say right, too. Right. But it's like, yeah, for me, everything is just like the same. I think that might be similar for Kyle too. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. if anything, it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Like to me, like I don't, I don't hold certain things. I'm not like this shit is like. Like I actually sit around and listen to like Alanis Morissette and shit. Yeah, I, I like that stuff. Yeah, and yeah. it's not like another thing is I think like you do stuff like that, you're always going to have people say that it's, like, ironic. And I try to think about, like, <laughs> what that even means or how it would be ironic or something, but it definitely, like, isn't... Yeah, it it doesn't come off that way. I mean, there's a all. certain there's a certain thing that is... It's definitely self-aware. You know, like, I know that a lot of people, like, think that that's corny and maybe yeah. I'm, like, fucking with that a little bit or something, but it's not, like, ironic per se, you know? Totally. Like, it's... So, like... What do you got going into the future? What do you got planned out? A lot of stuff. Right now, I'm I'm super excited about launching a, a record label. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, gonna start. I haven't made like the official announcement yet, but I'm gonna have like some kind of vinyl releases probably start coming out in the spring or a little bit later. Cool. And some other stuff like sooner than that. It's going to be, um, you know, East Records? Yeah. yeah. It's like uh, Stu Mostowski's yeah. label. Yeah. He basically just offered to give me like a subdivision of his label that I can oh, curate and stuff. It's a really cool opportunity, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Is it going to be like dance-based to some degree or just all yeah. over the place? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, like, whatever, I guess, like, I like and, like, feel, like, highlighting or whatever, but yeah. I definitely want to work with, like, some Baltimore club people, like, yeah. focus on that a little bit, but also just, like, weirder, like, pop stuff and, like, kind of, like, I don't know, a lot of the music that I listen to and, like, kind of scene that I get lumped into sometimes is, like, really, like, hip dance music stuff. Yeah. And I like a lot of that, and I, like, see myself as a part of that, but, like, I kind of want to do... 
just the things that bother me about that kind of scene, like the things I wish it could be more like, that's kind of like what I want to do with the label, you know, like definitely like more collaborations with rappers, have it be like more like personality driven, like not like, you know, like you don't ever see the producer's face right, or something. Right, like right. I want people that are like, ha have a personality and aren't like, you know, some like hooded, like <laughs> anonymous. Oh, yeah, yeah person or somebody who like you never see their face it's always just like really like sleek like net art like visuals or something yeah yeah, yeah that's really awesome and and kind of just makes like like business sense too or something as far as like i don't know like like you want to get with people that have figured out some kind of like identity or something yeah so just like yeah that... anonymous electronic music or something. <laughs> yeah yeah Dude. i definitely want i think one of the main things i'm going to try to do also is just like a lot of producers are just like get people that are just kind of like chopping up like remixes mostly or something get them to work with like kind of like vocalist and instrumentalist as like oh, cool. source material instead yeah. of just like making like remixes or whatever like yeah get a rap versus from people and get to put those on like dance records and it's like a lot of like crossover yeah stuff. yeah let's bridge some some scenes and stuff and hook some like different people up with each other yeah that's awesome man and what's if you can reveal it what's What's this like uh monthly thing you got going down in New York? I'm gonna say it's called Definition of Turnt. I kinda did the first one um the end of the tour with Abdo and Kilborn, me and Kilborn played it and I kind of like conceptualized the, the party and, and booked it. Yeah. And it was really successful and I was just like my friend manages this bar there and I love it. Like never been at a bar that felt like so like well run and so positive oh that's awesome and so i was like yeah we should just like keep keep doing this oh tight man so that's gonna be on the 17th and mark brown's gonna be doing that with me oh cool cool and we have um rizla and byrell the great for the first one tight like the idea for that too i think i'm gonna do like a lot of pairings of like like hip like New York dance DJ and then somebody that's like a homie or somebody that's kind of like a little bit of a different scene or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Are you like, like, I feel like I got two sneak peeks. Actually, one of these probably came <laughs> out, but from both Brandon and from Mickey of, of new tracks. Like, maybe I... Brandon wasn't supposed to do that, but he did. <laughs> no, that's totally cool. He played me a track that yeah, was that, like that, more That's like, probably the, uh, well, which one did he play you? It was like, I feel like it definitely is not out yet, or I just somehow missed it, but it, it had like crazy guitars on it and everything. Yeah, that's going to be a mixtape for Thunder Zone. Oh, cool, cool, cool. And that's going to come out on, on 420 on, on Thunder Zone. That's like a free mixtape. Cool. That's going to be my first full-length project ever, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> So why is it called a mixtape? Just because it is? Yeah, because it lets it be more free, I feel like. Me and Juicebox had talked about it. It's like yeah. a mixtape. I can have samples on it or do a cover or like 
have there be like some weird like noise stuff or like whatever. You know, it's like so so open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can have it be like whatever I want. That's a good idea. With the album, there might be more pressure to be like, okay, these have to be like. I really need to narrow down on my aesthetic and have everything. Make sure there's no samples on it, and you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. But that's part of your thing. Yeah. Is that it's all over the place. Yeah. But I, I feel you. The mixtape is like a way to. And then I have focus. A, I have a seven inch coming out too. Oh, tight. On Araka. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that label put out a seven inch for like Abdu recently. Yeah. That I, I produced like half of. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's that's. That's probably if if Mickey played you anything, that's what he played you because I think he was doing the vinyl master for that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like. Yeah. yeah. Sounded really awesome, man. Cool. I think we're good to go, man. Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much to Schwartz for coming on. It was real cool. We'll be back next week.